This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What if achieving your professional dreams comes at too high a personal cost? Well, that's one of several questions that television screenwriter Patty Lynn grappled with before she chose to say goodbye to her career in the cutthroat TV industry. And the job wasn't easy to walk away from. Patty had seen great success in the writers' rooms of popular shows including Friends, Desperate Housewives, and Breaking Bad. The inside scoop is laid out in her debut book, End Credits, How I Broke Up with Hollywood. And in it, she describes a chaotic, male-dominated work culture and how she navigated that space as an Asian woman. Patty Lynn joins us now to pull back the curtain on Hollywood's highs and lows. Welcome to Reset. Thank you, Sasha. It's great to be here. So you are no longer in the business, but I know that you've been paying close attention to the writer's strike over the last few months. So give us your thoughts on that tentative deal that was reached this week. I hear that it's a big win for the writers, so that's fantastic. I haven't had a chance to read all of the details of the tentative agreement, but uh, it sounds like the writers got much of what they were asking for, and the companies are, um, you know, opening up their purse strings, um, which is what should have happened long ago. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, was was watching this unfold anything reminiscent of what you went through back in 2007, 2008? A, a little bit, yeah. So 15 years ago uh, was the last time the writers went on strike, and I was a I was one of the writers then, and I walked the picket lines for for three months, and um, and so yes, a lot of the same sentiment was there, but the issues. Um, this time around were quite different um, because of streaming kind of changing the whole business model of how TV shows are are run. And also because of AI being um, a a big issue for the writers now and sort of protections against AI. And that was not something that existed at all back in 2007. You've said that writing for television was actually a dream come true. And this was because, you know, you grew up steeped in pop culture, yet you quit at the height of your career. Your your last show was Breaking Bad. So I'm I'm wondering what the final straw was for you. You know, it wasn't just one thing that kind of tipped it over. It was kind of kind of a cumulative effect of many, many uh, bad experiences. I, I think of it more as like a, you know, death by a thousand cuts, you know? <laughs> hmm. um, uh, and so there were many experiences that were very similar, um, just sort of, you know, having my work rewritten to the point where it was unrecognizable to me. This happened over and over. It happens to writers all the time. Um, also having to write scripts in extremely short periods of time, you know, three days, maybe three or four days, and then you're killing yourself to write a script, you turn it in, and then your boss says, hey, we've decided to go in a different direction. Can you write a whole other script in a day? <laughs> wow. Um, so work conditions like that, um, having to to write scripts as a group, which is never uh, um, an ideal situation, um, you know, where each writer gets assigned a, a different um, uh, scene from an episode, mm-hmm. and then you all go off and write write different scenes and then bring them together and sort of stitch them together into something that's hopefully cohesive, uh, but often not. <laughs> and that's just not an ideal way to write a script either. You know, it, just no one feels 
any sense of ownership over that writing and they and no one frankly cares about the script and so that was another thing that happened all the time uh when i worked in tv and just was i hated doing that Mm. um but yeah i mean i i would say the one of the last bad experiences that i had before i said you know what i can't do this anymore was um when i was having my script rewritten again to the point where I barely recognized it. And I was um, on the set supervising the shoot of my episode. And I walked onto the set one morning and all of these people started yelling at me because there were new uh, scenes or, or, or revised scenes that had come out the night before and not everybody had gotten these pages. And um, and so it was causing a lot of chaos because everyone was scrambling to make these changes Mm -hmm. and and I'm getting yelled at. And I didn't even know that there were new pages. Hmm. I was completely left out of the loop by my boss who had rewritten these pages. And uh, it was incredibly humiliating. And it it was just, uh, you know, one of those moments where I, I, I thought this is not why I got into this, you know, this is, this is not a satisfying experience. It's, there's so much, uh, sort of cruelty and just no, no consideration for the creative process and for people's feelings. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was, uh, that was yeah. one of the last straws. Yeah. To underscore that point, you write in the book, uh, quote, for a long time, I couldn't even talk about it because the memories were too painful. So why is now the time? to share your story, Patty? Well, this book was a long time in the making. I, I started writing it over 10 years ago. And um, I, when I left the business, I was kind of a broken person. And I, my, my lifelong passion for writing had been extinguished by working in the business. And I, I knew that if I was ever going to enjoy writing again, that I was going to have to work through some of these traumas that I had been through. And um, so I just started writing about it because that's how I've always processed my life experiences is through writing and uh, didn't even know it was a book at first. You know, I just thought I was kind of doing it for for myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then about six chapters in, I had to admit that I that I was writing a book. (laughs) This is a book. Yeah, Yeah, this is a book. Um, And through that, the process of of uh, writing it for the last you know, 12 years, um, it was an incredibly cathartic experience and very healing for me. And, um, and as a writer, you know, you want to share your writing, you know, I mean, maybe not everybody, maybe some people are okay with just kind of writing it, you know, writing in their journal and putting it away, um, and never having anyone else see it. But most writers want to share what their work Mm -hmm. with readers. And yeah. um, and so eventually I got to the point where I was um, I felt, you know, healed enough that I was ready to start sharing my work with others. And, you know, and and eventually got to the point where I, um, you know, submitted it to to um, agents and, and publishers. Right. But, it, you know, it, it's the the experience of of sharing it has been amazing, you know, to to actually um, have other people read about my experiences and know what I went through, understand what I went through and, and then have that speak to them and their own experiences 
you know, that's been amazing because I've heard from so many people who say, I feel like you wrote this book for me. You know, like this is I feel so seen by this. I mean, who were you targeting? I was I was targeting anybody who had who um, worked really hard to make their dreams come true and then got there and realized it wasn't all it was cracked up to be, you know, so that, you know, my experience was in this specific industry. But I think that there are probably people all over the place, you know, doing all sorts of different things that have had that experience, yeah. you know, where you're just working so hard for for this goal. And then it does that achieving that goal doesn't make them happy. Right. And, and I'm uh, sure so, I'm sure being mm-hmm. a, a television writer that had to make for great cocktail party conversations, right? I, I think a lot of people think, wow, what a cool job when you tell them what you do. So I'm curious how they reacted once you quit. Yeah, well, that that was the thing is that, you you know, I would go to a party and, and I would say I quit and people would say, why? Why would you quit such a cool job? Because from the outside, it does look really glamorous. Um, and, and I would find it very difficult to explain it to them in the course of a, a, a casual conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this book in a way was kind of my long form answer to that question, you know, where I just laid it all out. And, um, and I think people now who have read the book have a much greater understanding of why somebody would leave a job that seems very cool from the outside, you know, because there's just so much on the inside that is dysfunctional and toxic. And I think, you know, that's, again, something that a lot of people can relate to no matter what, you know, business they're working in. Where did you find support at the time? Did you turn to anyone? I uh, turned to my therapist quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that works. Um, therapy therapy was a huge huge part of my you know healing from from that experience and uh i i have a wonderful husband who was incredibly supportive while i was writing the book and um he he knew that i needed to uh get this out of me and he just never he never let me stop so i i was very grateful for that and you know of course i have close friends from when I was a child who knew how much I loved to write, what a big part of my life that was. And so they were really cheering me on this whole time. I want to talk about your roots here in Illinois, Patty. Mm -hmm. You're from Downers Grove, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, I lived in Downers Grove till I was 11. Wow. What was your upbringing like? Well, uh, I was the daughter of Taiwanese immigrants um, and they my my mom was um at the time when we lived in illinois she worked as a librarian at a psychiatric hospital and my dad was um a toxicologist at the medical examiner's office um and you know they just struggled to to survive in america and and to provide us with a a middle class a comfortable middle class lifestyle and we lived in the in downers grove and in a very nice neighborhood on a cul-de-sac um and i had you know a very um in a way idyllic childhood um uh but you know my parents did work full time so that's why i ended up watching so much tv because <laughs> right. i was a latchkey kid and my brother and i would just watch hours and hours of tv every afternoon um 
but yeah, I mean, I I have such a soft spot for for the Midwest and for you know Downers Grove. I, I'm actually going back to Downers Grove next week. Yes. I'm going to be uh, at Anderson's Bookstore doing a book signing there um, on October 4th. So I'm super excited to go back. Nice. How did your parents respond when you chose to pursue a career in television? Well, it was it was very hard for them to understand what this business even was, you know, because we didn't have anyone in our family who did an artistic career career at all. Um, the, you know, we had a lot of doctors in our family, a lot of just people doing very practical things. And so they didn't know that this was something a normal person could just break into. And, um, and for them, you know, they thought that happiness was financial stability. And because that's something that they had to work really hard for yeah. as immigrants. Um, and so to see me going into this creative field, I think, was very difficult for them because they knew that it wasn't going to be that financial stability that they had dreamed for me. Um, so that was a source of conflict through much of our relationship. And I felt that, you know, I was always trying to prove to them that what I was doing was legitimate. And it was very hard to um, to feel like they didn't really get what I was doing, mm -hmm. you know? And um, so it was just, that's a tough. very long it was a very tough and it was a long journey with them but eventually you know with the help of therapy i got to this place where i realized that they really did love me unconditionally it you know and that i didn't need for them to uh sort of be my cheerleader in in that way yeah. you know because i i've had that support in other areas you know from other people in my life and um and we just got to the point where, you know, we were we were good. We were copacetic. And like my mother, you know, I wrote about this in the book where, you know, my mother and I talked about how they as parents did not give me a lot of praise and a lot of encouragement and how that really hurt me. And um, and she wrote me the most beautiful. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's reading the book, <laughs> but she wrote me, wrote me the most beautiful letter where she essentially told me how proud she was of me. And it was yeah. just like such a wonderful moment for me to to actually hear it you know uh spelled out like that yeah well you i mean you go on to doing this this dream job as as we've talked about but you weren't just one of few women in the room patty you you write in the book that you were always the only asian person in the writer's mm -hmm. room That's right how That's did right. you deal with that it was something that I didn't think about all the time um, because I was just so busy trying to do a good job. Um, and and quite frankly, because I had grown up in in an area that was mostly white. And so it I, I didn't um, it wasn't that much of a culture shock for me I see. to, you know, to go into these writers rooms where it was mostly white people, you know. So um, so, yeah, it was, I wasn't super conscious of it, but, you know, after I left the business and I was working, I was in the process of writing my book. Um, I started to read more, uh, you know, I, I started to read about other Asian American experiences. And, um, and I, what I realized was that this lack of representation um, that you feel when you're working in a business where it's, you know, where you're the minority, mm -hmm. you know, and you're not well represented. It is very common for you to feel a sense of imposter syndrome. 
And that is something that I was really conscious of the whole time I was working in TV. You know, I always felt like I don't belong here. I I have to work really hard to prove to stay that I deserve. Yeah, that I deserve to be here. And it, you know, kind of understanding the um, the racial aspect of that was really uh, important for me, I think, to understand the roots of that imposter syndrome that I had struggled with for so long. You you dig super deep into your personal life, too, in in this book, and you take us uh, on a your dating journey, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. We learn about some bad dates, some breakups. Uh, you write about just that curse of being, you know, successful woman trying to find suitable partner. <laughs> uh, quickly, why'd you choose to be that vulnerable? Um, I I felt that it was important to show um, the my entire uh, sort of life at the time, not just the professional part, you know, yeah. um, because all of those things you know, they're, they're intertwined, you know? And so when you're writing a memoir, you know, you have to kind of step back and look at yourself as a character in a book. And, you know, if you had a character and you only saw their, their jobs, uh, their work life, that would really not be a full picture of that character, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so I, so I included that because I really felt that it was important for the story and for people to understand, for the reader to understand where I was coming from and, and what was going on in my, in my world, in my life, you know, while I was going through these trials of, of my job. And also one of the, the big relationships that I write about in the book it was a 10 year relationship that I had with another screenwriter. You know, he wrote for um, SNL, he wrote for Seinfeld, he wrote movies. And that the fact that both of us were in the business at, you know, together was very important because, um, you know, we sort of fed off of each other and yeah. then, you know, and he helped me in a lot of ways sort of get my foot in the door. And so I felt that that relationship in particular was really important to to write about in the book. Well, it's all great. I mean, as you mentioned, you are going to be back home, back in the Chicago area next mm-hmm. week promoting the book. Yep. Uh, remind us of where you're going to be. Uh, October 4th, I'll be at Anderson's Bookstore in Downers Grove. And then um, the following day on October 5th, I will be at the American Writers Museum in Chicago. Um, and I'll be in conversation with Zibby Owens, who is my publisher and mm-hmm. also an important, uh, you know, a figure in the book world. She's a big bookfluencer. And yeah. um, we're going to have a great we're going to have a great talk there and sign some books and stuff. And it's, it's I'm super excited about um, just going back to where I came from. Like, it's going to be really fun. Patty Lynn's the author of End Credits, How I Broke Up with Hollywood. It's available now wherever books are sold. Really fantastic read. Such a pleasure, Patty. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you.